0: As most of you know, we are in the midst of a preaching series on daring prayer. Our previous messages have examined the topics such as how to pray or what to pray for. And today we're going to spend a few minutes exploring the topic of daring to pray for others. In the... uh, In the wonderful book, Love to Pray, which is by Alvin Vandergren, and it's available in our uh, bookstore, the author describes praying for others as prayers of intercession. Interceding means to be a go-between or a representative of others. As intercessory prayer givers, we pray to God for and about people who need God's help. And God wants us to pray for his children because we are his people and because only God can provide for our needs. Vandergren sets out five daily practices for us to consider in praying for others, and he discusses in detail who we might intercede for, who in our families or in our neighborhoods or in our congregation need the power of our intermediating prayer. He reminds us that God needs us as intercessors, not because God lacks wisdom or power to see what needs to be done, but because God chose to govern the world through the prayers of his people. And to repeat, because God chose to govern the world through the participatory prayers of his people. As such, we thank God for his gift and for the privilege of intercessory prayer for others. The author also reminds us to be thankful for God for the breadth and depth of God's healing power. The scope of his healing power is limited only by our imaginations. All we have to do is ask for his help. And then the author reminds us to pray for others, especially those who cannot pray for themselves. Do you know people in your circle of influence who cannot pray for themselves? Perhaps they are non believers. Do you know people who do not have others to pray for them? If so, you might add them to your prayers. And finally, the author reminds us that God wants us to pray for the unsaved. Perhaps it is someone in your family, perhaps a neighbor, perhaps a co worker or a friend who needs your prayers. Finally, Vandergrind encouraged us to pray according to an acronym, which he uh, lists as BLESS, B-L-E-S-S. B is for our bodies. He encourages us to pray for health, protection, energy, and fitness. L is for labor, to pray for work, income, security, and skills. E is for emotional prayer, to pray for joy, peace, comfort from grief, anger, and anxiety. S is for social prayer, to pray for love, marriage, family, and friendship. And the final S is for spiritual, to pray for salvation, grace, faith, and hope. For when we pray together using these principles, the healing power of prayer for others is unlimited. Now, let's recall the story of Jesus healing the paralytic who was brought to him by his friends carrying the man on a mat. And let me remind you of the setting. Jesus and his disciples are in Capernaum. News of Jesus' preaching and his healing powers had spread throughout the region. And his preaching was attended by increasingly larger crowds. After days of preaching before these large crowds, Jesus and the disciples have entered a home located in the village where Jesus continues to teach and to heal the sick. There was a young man who had been paralyzed, and his friends tried to get him to see Jesus so that he could be healed by Jesus. But the crowds were too large and they could not get their paralyzed friend close to Jesus. And so the story continues. This is from Luke 5, 17 through 20. One day, Jesus was teaching, and the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord with Jesus was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came, carrying a paralyzed man on a mat, and tried to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins Are forgiven. Now, this is a great example of interceding for and on behalf of someone with Jesus. The man was paralyzed. He could not move, yet he wanted to be with Jesus to ask to be healed. He needed his friends to intercede for him with Jesus. At first, his friends did not succeed because of the crowds they could not get close to Jesus to get his attention. But they did not give up, they were persistent. They found a way. They persevered. They went up on the roof, and surely it was difficult to carry a paralyzed man on a mat up to the top of a roof. It was probably dangerous, too. They could have fallen off the roof and injured themselves or their friend. They risked a lot to give their friend a chance to meet Jesus and to be healed by him. And they succeeded. Their persistence paid off. They lowered the man without dropping him and causing him further injury down from the roof and into the room where Jesus was, laying the man at the feet of Jesus. And then Jesus does the unexpected. He does not heal the paralyzed man. He does not fix his crippled body. Instead, he saves his soul. Jesus says, Friend, because of your faith, Your sins are forgiven. What greater gift is there than to be forgiven by Jesus for our sins and thereby be assured of eternal salvation? You see, the point was really not to heal a paralyzed body. Of course, Jesus does that later in response to the criticism of the Pharisees who accused Jesus of speaking blasphemy, saying, How can anyone forgive sins but God alone? And then Jesus rebukes them, and he instructs the man to get up and go home, which the man does. And everyone is amazed and gives praise to God. The point is that Jesus always sees the big picture. He sees what is best for us. We only see the immediate need. But Jesus sees the greater need. Jesus sees the deeper need in all of us. Did any of you see the movie Ray? The story of Ray Charles, the great vocalist and musician who is blind. There's a scene in the movie when Ray is a little boy about seven years of age. And he stumbles in the entryway to the family's cabin. He falls down on the floor and hurts himself. He's lying on a thin woven mat that I imagine is very similar to the mat used by the paralytic in the Luke story. And Ray clutches this mat, and he starts crying out for his mother, Mama, Mama, he cries, tears streaming down his face. Help me, Mama, help me. And his mother is there, in the cabin, just a few feet away. But she does not move, and she does not say a word. She doesn't do anything to let her son Ray know ...that she is there with him. Instead, she stands there quietly... ...with tears of anguish streaming down her face... ...in fear for what is about to happen to her son. Eventually, in the quiet, Ray composes himself... ...and wipes his tears away... ...and gets up off the floor... ...and he starts to move about the cabin... ...in his blindness. He stumbles and falls again and again... ...bumping into walls and furniture... Yet his mother does not help him. She only watches Ray as only a loving mother can, realizing that Ray has to find his own way in the world. And then to her horror, little Ray approaches the open fire in the kitchen of the cabin. And there are flames leaping out from the fire, hot burning coals. And he reaches out his hands, the hands that would be part of his musical life, and he feels the heat of the fire. And then he withdraws his hands, learning where the fire is, learning where the danger is. His mother saw the big picture. She saw the big picture for Ray because she had a deeper understanding for her beloved son. She knew that despite the danger, despite the great risk of harm to her little boy, She must resist her instincts to protect him. She must resist the urge to remove the obstacles in his way because she knew that there is a greater opportunity for her son if he can learn to function in the world as a blind man. And of course, he goes on to become one of the greatest musicians of his generation. Ray's mother faced a difficult choice to remove the obstacles for her son or to let him learn to overcome those obstacles at great risk of injury and suffering along the way. God knows the deepest needs of human beings. We are his children. He sees the big picture, and he knows what is best for us. And this is the leap of faith for us as Christians to trust in God's greater vision for us. So what does this mean when we ask about daring to pray for others? We begin by asking first, who is the person on the mat in your life? Who do you know that needs God's help? Who is it that cannot overcome whatever affliction is crippling them? It might be an emotional problem or a financial problem, or a physical problem, or a relationship problem. And if they could have fixed the problem themselves, they probably would have. And if we could have fixed it, then we might have. But they cannot fix it, and you cannot fix it. They need someone to intercede for them with God. Will you be the one to do that for them? And once you've identified the person or group who needs God's help. Then the second question is, how far are you willing to carry him or her on their mat? You know, we often say, I'll remember him or her in my prayers. But do we? Are we really prepared to pick them up and carry them with us? It's a big commitment to carry someone else's burdens. And the third question is, How long are you willing to pray for them? A few minutes? An hour? A day? A week? A month? As long as it takes? Can you go the distance in daring prayer for someone else? And the next question to consider is are you willing to ask others to carry him with you? Are there others who you might ask to help you with this responsibility? Like the four men who carried the paralytic to Jesus, who else can you ask to share this daring prayer burden with you? Praying for others is a commitment to going on, to persevering, a journey to bring the needs of a loved one or friend before the feet of Jesus. It means carrying their burden, the weight of their problems with you. It means being the stretcher bearers, the ones who carry the mat for the afflicted, for the ill, for the addicted, or for those suffering from grief or despair, or the loss of a job, or the loss of a loved one. Prayer begins by really seeing the person and feeling the weight of their need. Have you ever tried to carry someone who is paralyzed or unable to walk? Have you ever felt the weight of that burden? And the best news of all, is that God does not want you to do it alone. Prayer is best when prayer is done together for others. Prayer is also best when we exercise persistence, when we go the distance, when we keep trying. The goal is to get them to the feet of Jesus. And finally, the most important question is, are you willing to trust Jesus to do what is needed? There's a risk in that. There comes a moment like when the four men dropped the paralytic friend down the hole in the roof or a moment like when Ray Charles's mother resisted all temptation to rescue her son. There comes a moment when you let go, when you have to let them go, and when you entrust them to the loving care of Jesus. So many of our f- prayers today have to do with fixing someone's illness. We pray, please do not let our loved ones die, or we pray that our loved ones survive a medical procedure or that they are cured by a medical treatment. Yet death comes to all of us. Life on this earth is only a delaying game. The greater need is for us to have the grace of God in our dying life. If it is our call, of course we want our loved ones to be saved physically but we should also want their souls to be saved too. We know that Jesus can heal our bodies, but more importantly, Jesus can save our souls. And this is the message we read in the Gospel of Luke this morning. For when Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. I have seen the power of prayer, especially corporate, or group prayer and I'm sure you have too. whether here at Christ Church when we pray as a group for our members and our families or for our staff and their families or when we pray in hospitals and nursing homes and prisons and other places in this life there are moments when we can see firsthand the healing power of prayer for others as a chaplain at Northwestern Memorial Hospital last year I witnessed many examples of life-saving group prayer. In my role as chaplain, I served in the emergency room and in the medical intensive care unit. And in these roles, I was frequently present in patients' rooms with their families when the medical professionals said, I'm sorry, there is nothing more that we can do. Yet as many times as I heard that hope-crushing phrase, I'm sorry, there is nothing more that we can do, I also witnessed the healing power of group prayer. By praying together with others for others, I saw miracles of patients making full recovery even when there was no medical hope. This is what can happen. When we pray to God for his help and despite all the modern medicine that modern medicine can do when it was not enough I saw the healing power of prayer overcome the limitations of modern day medical treatments. What made all the difference was the healing power of daring prayer for others. If it is the Lord's will then his will be done we need to remind ourselves that it is God's will, not ours. We all understand the notion of free will, that God gave us choices, and we know that God will never override our exercise of free will. We can only pray that God will encourage someone, that they will be convinced by God to fix something, but it is up to God and it is up to the person we are praying for to make the change. We must pray for others and what we think God would want for them so that they may hear his voice and respond to him and that they may know God will do everything he can without force to answer our prayers. By faith in Jesus we are saved and so by his saving grace are others saved, others who we pray for in daring prayer together. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the gift of prayer together in community. We are grateful to be able to speak with you as your children and to ask you for help for us and for others. We appreciate the chance to speak with you in groups of family members and in groups of friends and together with our congregation. We know that you hear our prayers. We know you love us and that you want to answer our prayers. We also know, Father, that you see things we do not see, that you know what is best for us. We know, Father, that your will be done and we trust in you that you know our needs. And so we pray together for others. The daring prayer your Son taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread.